Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mama Mama podcast, brought to you as always by the wonderful Golding Accountancy, wearegolding.com. How are you? I'm good. I don't hate the dog this week. (laughs) Um, We're friends again now, and um, it's been a bit easier the last couple of days, so, and I just got her groomed for the first time, and she's just turned into a big ball of fluff, basically, so, yeah, we're, um, it's better, it's getting better thank goodness I hope you're good this week is the second part of my chat with the amazing Claire I I've had so many amazing comments um from this chat and I I mean I loved it I've I've said to her it's one of my favorite conversations ever let alone podcasts if obviously you haven't listened to part one yet then do so because it's a continuation of the conversation but I do hope that you're enjoying it and I'll see you in a bit Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. What drove you to stop him? What was the kind of realisation? Yeah. I mean, 
It wasn't the worst rock bottom I'd had. The yeah. incident that actually brought me into recovery was like definitely not the worst one. Yeah. Um, but basically, I'd like my go-to solution for my life's problems was to use drugs yeah. to the point of oblivion. Yeah. yeah. So before I'd had my daughter, for instance, I had a miscarriage. So yeah. I fell pregnant with my, you know, partner and. I had a miscarriage and it devastated me and I went on self-destruct, like I was just caning it. Yeah. And I remember one night he said to me, what is going on with you? You're on self-destruct. And you know, I was like, I want to have a baby. Yeah. You know, and it was like, I got real and I got honest. And actually shortly after we, I did fall pregnant with my daughter. And um, I think, like I say, when I fell pregnant, I stopped. Yeah. But as soon as I could, I went back to it. And it was like... Did you miss that, it? What, when I was pregnant? Yeah. No, because like, <laughs> typically like me, I just threw myself wholeheartedly into being pregnant. Yeah. It's like, that was my project. Yeah. You know what I mean? For that period. And was it... Did you just stop just like that? Um, it's funny. I did with the first pregnancy... I found it harder the second time around. I think that was as a result of having had a miscarriage. Yeah. Because I think that was like, well, what if this, what's the point if this, it was almost like all yes. wrapped up in that trauma. Yeah. Um, I think the second time around I did, obviously, very early, like within the 12 weeks, I stopped smoking yeah. and I stopped drinking and stuff. Um, but I ended up straight back to it. And then it was like the sneaking around, the using while she was in bed. It was like the having a sniff to do the hoovering. It was the... Yeah. It was the the way that no matter how hard I tried, it would creep up again. Yeah. You know, and I think towards the end, I started to become not even like that nicer drunk. Like I was always a really fun drunk. Yeah. I actually got a bit nasty. Do you know what I mean? Got a bit... Turned into a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. Bit mean. And... I was sneaking around and I was lying. I was lying, I was deceptive, I was using in secret. You know, I'd, you know, get some gear from me and my other half and I'd, I'd have one all to myself secretly. So like, I'd be having a secret sniff while yeah. he was out of the room. So I was needing more and more and more. Yeah. You know, um, and it, I was never satisfied. Yeah. You know, I was creating reasons to celebrate. I remember towards the end, like, calling home and saying, oh, I'm going out tonight because we're celebrating. He was like, oh, you're always celebrating. So it was like, I started to see, like, it was being reflected to me, my deceit, my lies, my shit. Yeah. From other people were starting to pick up on it now. And then the thing that actually, <laughs> the thing that actually made me realise I'll hit a rock bottom was I'd gone out celebrating one night after hitting a target and stuff. And we'd gone out clubbing. All my work colleagues and um, this colleague, this junior colleague, had missed her last train home, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's fine. You can come back to mine." You know, like felt obligated to take over, but ended up sitting up with her all night sniffing gear. And we had work the next day. This was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, yeah, standard. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew I was so high. I'd gone to bed, I think, at like 6am and I'd sort of laid there with my heart beating through my yeah. chest and then it felt like I'd closed my eyes and opened them again yeah. at 7 and 
my partner had got up and he went, you need to get up. I'm going to work. You need to get up. You need to see to Lowry. Yeah. See to your daughter. Yeah. And I felt shame, yeah? Like, he'd had enough yeah. of me. And he was like, and who the F is that in the spare room? You know, yeah. it's like... And I couldn't go to work because I was so high. If I'd have gone to work, I would have got sacked yeah. for turning up high. And the colleague couldn't go to work. Yeah. And I called in and I made an excuse. And my boss, who was like, one of my using buddies, um, he was on holiday. But what I did was I winged it and I'd said, oh, I had put in a holiday request, but obviously something's gone wrong. And I'd even called my boss on holiday. I texted him and went, I've effed up. Can you cover for me? And he was like, yes, I'll cover for you, but sort yourself yeah. out, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is bad, Claire. And then what happened was... The other colleague at mine had called and confessed all. And her boss took it on herself to sort of go and do a deep dive into HR records and stuff. And try and find me out yeah. that I hadn't put this holiday request in. So I knew, like, the walls were caving yes. in. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. I was going to yeah. get found out. I was yeah. full of shame. And I, th I think I just broke down. I, I, the shame of, like, this colleague's in my house. And as soon as she left... I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. There was just like this breakdown in me of like, you've really effed it this time, Claire. And actually realising that I put myself in a corner. What, what I wasn't even enjoying it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And like I say, that wasn't even the worst time. But like, it was like, what was going up couldn't come down. Yeah. You know, or yeah. had to come down. And the come downs were so bad. Yeah. That there was like, almost I couldn't get myself out of the hole again. So I ended up calling a helpline. Because uh, I actually felt like I might, I wanted to kill myself. You know, yeah. that's how bad it was. I'd had to get my daughter to school, you know. Um, yeah, all of that. All the sneaking around, like using, getting your kid into nursery. And like, I remember a friend of mine, and these were happening increasingly, you know, like on the tube with me, a nursery mum friend who I really love. Um, one of Kelly's mates, actually, one of Kelly's mutual mates, Tash. And, like, we'd, um... She went to me, fucking hell, girl, your breath. Like, the rum. I literally smelled like a bottle of rum. I drank so hard. So, like, it was little messages like that of, like... And me feeling, like, really instant shame and yeah. just knowing, like, mate, like, you're out of control, Claire. That's kind of how it was. Probably still being over the limit driving from the, you know, the morning after from the night before, getting her to nursery, like, you know, my most precious person in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I'm putting her life at risk, that's yeah, the truth. Yeah. And so I guess all of these things kind of came caving in and I called this helpline, you know, like Ask Frank. Yes, yeah. So Ask Frank used to put flyers in flyer packs. Yeah. You used to get yeah. given an Ask Frank thing when you used to come out of a club yeah. and I used to go, well, whatever. Yeah. You know, and actually they saved my ass. Yeah. you know, at the end of the day, thank God for them, because I called Frank, or whoever it was on the phone, and, and they said, you know, what goes up must come down. Yeah. You're going to feel really bad. It's going to pass. But actually it sounds to me like you might benefit from going to a meeting. Yeah. And I'd had some experience with meetings before because I'd taken my sister to AA. Right. One of my sisters is an alcoholic. But I hadn't, and at the time, I remember being in the AA meeting with her going, this is great, isn't it? Are you, you getting this? <laughs> Not realising, like, I needed to get the message. You yeah. know, like, I was in so much denial and probably not as bad yeah. in my head. Um, there's always someone worse than you that you can look 
at, yeah. looked down on, whatever. So, yeah, I'd obviously sort of been familiar with meetings. So it was like not an alien concept to me. And then they said, look, there's a meeting. They helped me find a meeting. And I went to a meeting in Covent Garden that evening. Uh, or oh, sorry, the next evening on the fri Friday. And, um, and that was my first day clean. Yeah, t it was December 8th, 2011. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And, you know... What happened? I went in that meeting. What, you mean literally what yeah. happened? I went in that meeting, like, my... Oh, that's mad. My body's just responded to that question. The anxiety. Yeah. My heart was beating so fast. And I, I wanted to run in the opposite direction. Yeah. But I was desperate. Yeah. Like, I knew it was like I'd surrendered. Internally, I had surrendered. I knew I couldn't keep living in the way that I had been because I was going to end up killing myself. Yeah. I felt so low that it was dangerous. And I got myself into the meeting and the most bizarre thing happened. I was welcomed. Yeah. I was welcomed and I was made to feel comfortable by strangers and we sat in a circle and it was all really alien to me. Like, I take it for granted now. I'm so comfortable in meetings now. But, you know, as a newcomer, I was made to feel welcome. I sat in the circle and they all shared. And it was bizarre because I remember looking around this group of people, like a real diverse crew of people, and thinking, oh, I feel like I recognise all these people. Do I know these people? Is this like, is it a setup almost? Yeah. Like, But what I see that as now, what I understand that as now is identification yeah so i was hearing what they were saying and it, it was resonating with me yeah. and we were they were speaking my language like they were addicts yeah. talking about addiction and i understood them and they understood me and every person shared in that meeting and then at the end in newcomer time they looked and they were like it's your turn now <laughs> and it's almost like i feel so grateful that i'd gone to quite a small meeting yeah and actually they did you know they kind of pressured me to open my mouth yeah and I did I just shared what was going on for me and and they said yeah you belong here like welcome keep coming back yeah um and you know I've learned now all of these these are like cliches we say keep coming back yeah just for today you know but these things have saved my life yeah and they've given me a life makes me feel quite emotional They've given me a life literally beyond my wildest yeah. dreams, you know. Did you go every day? So. Where was it? Was it near home? Or near so work? the first meeting I went to, obviously, I was like, I ain't going anywhere near home. People might recognise me. <laughs> so I went miles away to uh, Covent... Well, I went into the West End. Yeah. I, I'd used all around the West End. It was like, if anyone saw me, I mean, whatever, you know. Um, and then... I went to this meeting in Covent Garden. And then there's loads of suggestions. So they say, do a 90 and 90. That means do 90 meetings in 90 days, like yeah. a meeting every day. Yeah. Obviously, it's three months or 12 weeks. You can change, form a behaviour, can't you? Change yes. your habit. Yeah, form a, yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. I didn't listen. Like I was like, I'll be all right. I'll do it my way. So I went to my first meeting and then they were like, yeah, do a 90 and 90. What was beautiful, that first meeting... Afterwards, they were doing fellowship. So, like, what well, they call, call it fellowship. They're basically going out after the meeting together. Yeah. And they were celebrating somebody's birthday. What I then learned was a clean time birthday. Okay. So somebody, I think, had got, like, 18 months or two years. And yeah. everyone went out and celebrated. And that, to me, was, like, such a bizarre thing. 
Well, first of all, it was really lovely because they took me with them as a complete stranger to Wagamama's, yeah, and, like, we all ate dinner together. But I got to experience that they were they were having... They were actually living in freedom. Yeah. Freedom from drugs. Yeah. And freedom from alcohol because nobody ordered a drink. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's like, nobody's going to get a drink. And they yeah. were like, no, we're all in recovery, love. Like, we don't drink. And I was like, oh, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, you're in recovery too now. I was like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. And then they were all laughing and they were actually all ripping the piss out of each other. Yeah. You know, like laughing at each other. And no one was getting offended. And I was like... Ooh, this is like what is this it was an uncomfortable kind of awakening of they're free yeah. of all this stuff that is trapping me and making me feel like the worst person yeah. in the world they are not, they're not taking themselves really seriously so it kind of planted enough of a seed that I wanted what they had Yeah. and then I didn't follow the suggestions and I white knuckled it I kind of just was like I'll go back to the, the meeting when I need one and oh, then what okay. happened was like yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I probably just sort of winged it for three and a half. And then what happened was it got to, it was like three and a half weeks of that. And then it was New Year's Eve and my other half. So you made it through Christmas? Yeah, I made it through Christmas. Wow. I know, right? Yeah. Very tenacious <laughs> and determined as a human, yeah. actually. That is one thing I'll give myself. But that was never going to last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on the New Year's Eve, my other half was a DJ, is yeah. a DJ, ex-other half is a DJ, and he was playing out that night. And then it just, something in my head was like, well, if we're going out raving tonight, I'm going to need a meeting before yeah. we go, just to boost myself up, yeah. get some recovery in me. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but anyway, so I did go to another meeting, and I, everyone in the meeting, when I said, oh, I'm going out tonight, you know, my boss DJ, yeah. we're going out, they were like, don't go out, you're in danger. <laughs> Yeah. Like, whatever you do, do not go out. But I did go out. And, you know, lo and behold, when in the booth, he's having a two. You yeah. know, like, it was hard. Yeah. And I think that was a wake-up call for me because it made me realise I need something to help keep me strong here. Yes. Like, it was a very close call. It was only because, like, my best friend was there and she knew how important it was for me to try and stay clear. Yeah. And she babysat me, basically. Yeah. So when I'd seen, like, me other half doing a two and it freaked me out. Yeah. Because all I wanted was to fucking yeah. get involved. She took me outside. We got some air. She, you know, we had a cigarette. She was like, come on, calm down. Like, it's going to be okay. And what had happened is that that meeting that I'd gone to on New Year's, uh, somebody said, there's another meeting here on Mondays. Why don't you come back? There's someone I hear, the person who makes the tea is really nice. And it <laughs> turned out that they were the tea person. And that person became a friend of mine in recovery. And um, I went back on the Monday. And then I, I sort of, I walked in and it was actually a different fellowship. So I'd started in one fellowship and then ended up in an, in this other one. Yeah. And I walked into that meeting on the Monday and it was like coming home, you know, mm. like all of the fellowships are slightly different, yeah. you know, in their flavour. And this one for me was like where I belonged. They were my tribe. Yeah. And I was made to feel welcome and they taught me, get a commitment you know, and a commitment is like where you basically have a home group, they call it, where you go to one meeting every week without fail. And then ideally at that home group, get a commitment, like whether it's putting the chairs out, making the tea, greeting people, uh, putting the readings out. You know, there's always something that you can do that will consistently make you turn up. And the idea is you do that for a year because it keeps you in the middle of the, the you know, the meeting, the yeah, fellowship. Yeah. 
And what I found is in that process of turning up each week, people got to know me. They could see when I was a bit wonky. They could prop me up. They held me through my stuff. And I started to belong, yeah. you know. Um, and that was in Wanstead, that meeting. Yeah. So it kind of put to bed that, oh, what if I get seen? Yeah. And it's mad because in all the years that I've been going to meetings, I've literally only ever bumped into a handful of people. Wow. And obviously what we learn is... We're there for the same reason. Why would they be judging me? They're in a yeah, meeting yeah, too, yeah? yeah like, yeah, yeah. it's there's yeah. no, like, shame in it. And, um, yeah, it's quite beautiful, actually, when you bump into somebody and you're like, yeah. oh, hello, you know. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, and then I kind of started to do a lot of meetings in Soho because I worked around Soho. Yeah. So my work, I ended up sort of explaining to them the work that I'd let down, yeah. obviously, on that day and lied. Yeah. I said to my boss, I lied to you. I've got a problem with drugs. Yeah. I need help. I'm trying to do this 12-step thing. And he was like, so much admiration for you, Claire. Fully support you. And there were meetings at lunchtimes. So because I was a mum, I couldn't really be doing the evening meetings at yes. that time. He was like, go to as many lunchtime meetings as you need to. So in my lunch break, they just gave me like 15 minutes extra to yeah. get to and from the meeting. And I would go to Thrift Street, yeah. to the Soho... Um, so the to sort of the uh, NHS walking centre, they used to have a meeting in there most lunch times, yeah. and so I did all my early recovery. And then you know I've got to give him props. My ex was an incredible part of my journey yeah. because he enabled me to get to meetings and do what I needed to do. Yeah. And I did. I started at that point from New Year's Eve onwards. Yeah. I kind of did that ninety and ninety. I really committed to recovery. Did he stop? He didn't. He's not. I mean, he's not an addict. Yeah. He didn't need to, and I didn't ask him to do that at first either. Yeah. In the end, we did get to the point where I had to say, it's really hard you smoking around me. Yes. And actually, he just stopped. Yeah. Or, you know, can we not have people doing coke in the house, yeah. you know? Yeah. But actually, also at times, I have been around people sniffing. I've seen people next to me chopping yeah. out lines and having a line, and I'm like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It really, I wouldn't advise it yeah. if you're in early recovery <laughs> or any stage of recovery yeah, yeah. because, you know, you go to the hairdressers, you're going to get a haircut, yeah? Yeah. But at the same time, I have to want it for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not an idea to be hanging out with people yes. using like they yeah. talk about people, places, and things. Like, yeah. don't be around the using paraphernalia, the using people yeah. in the places that you use. But I can go to pubs. Yeah, they don't really like pubs, but I can go to clubs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I went out on New Year's Eve with my partner, and um, I was offered drugs left, right, and centre. You yeah. know, it was like a normal yeah. party. Yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. I can outdance anybody these yeah. days, completely sober and straight. I don't I don't need drugs. Yeah. Of course there's always that little nagging thought of like oh it'd be nice. The oblivion would be nice. Yeah. Interestingly enough, like 'cause we you end up you've used for so long, you end up having like using dreams a lot of the time. Oh really? So like I might have a using dream and a lot of my using dreams are like, Can I get away with it? Nobody yeah. else knows I could I've used. Yeah. But I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> because I'm just plotting, oh, if I use this, can I get away with this? Or am I going to have to tell everybody and give up my clean time? Yeah. That's often my using dream. And bizarrely, my using dreams are always like taking an E or taking MDMA. Yeah. I still seek that euphoria. Yes. You know, yeah. and that high. Yeah. Um, but I think that's because that's a different, well, from 
me personally, Coke was something that I did because as soon as I had a drink, I felt like I needed to have a line of Coke. Even yeah. though I never really enjoyed it, it was yeah. just that addictive thing in my yeah. head that was like, well, that's what I need to do now. I totally but get it. Appeal, I fucking loved appeal because yeah. I just loved that feeling. And But I just want to be in plastic people oh. with my cousin that's uh, on appeal. Yeah. Any other, because I did actually, we went to 51st State a few years ago and I took a pill and that was the first time I've done anything since I wow. had the kids. And I had a lovely time, but then the following year, or it might have even been that year, but a few months later, I went to the Southport Weekender Festival with my sister, mm. and I had another pill, mm. and I didn't enjoy it. And that was the first time I'd never not enjoyed it. Wow. And I was just like, this isn't... Because I actually, I think it was the first time I didn't have the kids the next day, so I had a full day off before I then had to be Which we again. have to plan, obviously. But, but I think with the Southport one, I think I was getting them back late, like mm. the night of the... And I was just thinking, I've got to be a mum. I just yeah. can't. And now I'm like, I love my memories of that. Yeah. But I think it would have to be an exceptional circumstance, I think, for me to want to do that again. Yeah. You know. Because I think where it's been so good as well... I think once you've reached that peak, you're just chasing anyway, isn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm 48. You know, come on. I've lived. <laughs> yeah. I've been so high. Yeah. I've had so many good times. Yeah. I've like, oh, I've danced in Ibiza in the best, in the sun. Like, with, yeah. oh, it's just like, yeah. it's just been so good. I ain't going to get that back yeah. again. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. What I find, actually, these days is I can get high in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, I can feel the same euphoria through a lot of, like, maybe the spiritual work that I do, you know, like, I can, you know, so a lot of the coaching work that I've been doing recently has just been absolutely sublime, you know, like, where I'm meditating and I'm being coached at, you know, just embodiment work, like, how to just stay in my body and a simple question, like, what would happen if you gave yourself all the love that you give to everybody else? And then being uh, supported, like, so this coach that I'm working with is amazing, this woman called Bella Crowder. Uh, she's actually an astrologer. Um, and oh, she's just amazing. Like, look her up on Instagram. Um, it's Bella with one L, B-E-L-A, Crowder. And she, so I, I started with her because I used to follow her astrology stuff. And she used to just, like, when she talks about astrology, she just spoke to me in a language that I understood. Yeah. So I was very drawn to her and then she then put up that she was doing this embodiment um, a sort of self-love container. Like, so it was eight people, four weeks. And it was really about learning how to sit with yourself, which sounds simple, yeah? But like being taught how to, my name is Claire, I am, you know, putting myself first, just being, not knowing what that means. Like, it sounds so simple to say these things, but when you're actually there saying it, yeah. being real with yourself, dropping in yeah. physically into that, it was like an unravelling of me. Yeah. So I did this four-week container with her, and I was like, well, something special happened in there. Like, yeah. I want to go a bit deeper, obviously. We've talked about this yeah. earlier. <laughs> so I signed up to do an eight-week one-to-one mentorship with her. And I actually thought, stupidly, 
that it was just going to be like more astrology based. Yeah. She's an astrologer, like she's an amazing um, evolutionary astrologer. So she's always going to look at my chart and bring elements of that in. Yeah. But like what she wanted for me was she was going to take me deeper yeah. Yeah, into the feeling, the feelings stuff. And actually what happened was in that sort of first eight weeks, I just reached parts of myself that I'd not really even been able to reach through trauma therapy. You know, like I've had a lot of therapy over the years. And I guess all of these were like nice building blocks to this. But she's really kind of, really taught me to be more loving to myself. Yeah. And more accepting of myself. And like that shadow side, that part that we try and reject and shame. You know, she's taught me to be able to sit with that and own it. Like being selfish, feeling selfish and seeing the value in being selfish. Why yeah. is it shameful or bad to be selfish? Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So... I've now I'm in my second eight week one with her so we're about halfway through and like a couple of weeks ago probably had one of the most profound experiences of my entire life I'd say it's probably better than any high I've ever felt where she said to me what would happen if you gave yourself the love that you send out there let's do yeah. an exercise like and you know she got me to drop into myself like literally just to almost envisage my heart in my body and you know just be with her and I could feel my love inside and then I could feel my love emanating love from the centre out to the outside and then I felt it hit the outside of my body like almost like my silhouette and then it reverberated back in and it was like this incredible pulsing glowy warm feeling of yeah. infinite love. And I realised it was the first time in my entire life I'd ever loved myself. Yeah. Like, consciously loved myself. And it was incredible. Like, it felt... I felt so connected to source. Yeah. Like, you know that euphoria? That high, that MDMA kind of... Yeah. It was that, and yeah. it was all in me. And it was pure. There was no outside drug. It was me loving me. And being connected with whatever this thing is that wants me to love me. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, this is freedom. Yeah, yeah. And it was beautiful. And, you know, the same sort of stuff has just happened week on week after that. Where I just wow. now have this beautiful ability to just... <gasps> my heart feels so full telling you about yeah. this. You know, no, to just be able it to sit. so lovely. Yeah, it's an incredible experience. Life-changing. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just kind of... This is the stuff we should be teaching children at school, yeah? Yes. yes. <laughs> like, how to sit and be with ourselves. Yeah. Like, how the journey to that has been hard. Yeah. Like, to love myself, you yeah. know? Like, I'd say it started with coming into recovery, you know, and then it's kind of... It's been a ride, like a really non-linear looping roller coastery ride that's gone off on tangents and come back it's just yeah there's been times in my recovery i've hated myself you know yeah. i've had to work through some stuff yeah um but you know it's it's kind of what i've learned most recently in the last couple of years because i would say even when i met nick our mutual friend like around that time I was still in a lot of self-hatred back then. You know, like, yeah. I started going to dance box. Yeah. And I love dancing. Yeah. 
I'm not, it turns out, very good at choreographed dancing. <laughs> I'm more of a free spirit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I gave it my best shot. Yeah. So those classes, what Ilana does at those classes is incredible. Yeah. yeah. How she empowers women. Yeah is amazing like she's a dynamo yeah and i'm so grateful to her because she was like part of a really important part of my journey uh ilana had actually taught my daughter dance yeah at her saturday school her drama school so i kind of knew her and then over the years so when i ended up seeing her online yeah i was like oh fancy going to that and you know a friend and i were like yeah we're gonna go thankfully my friend got involved first it made me want to go yeah and then I remember getting into that dance studio and looking at myself in the mirror and not being able to look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. Literally not yeah. being... The hatred was real. It was yeah. like, oof, yeah. you know, repulsed by myself. Um, I mean, back then I was also... I was in a relationship that I was unhappy in. Yeah. You know, like, there was a lot of things in my life that needed to change. But, you know, that was a big part of that sort of metamorphosis because yeah. I guess she built my confidence up, yeah. you know. She helped me to see, I can look in her. She would say, look up, yeah. look up, look at yourself, <laughs> you're fucking beautiful. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. she'd scream at me. Yeah. Um, and also, I was what I learned was I was really hard on myself a lot of the time. If I couldn't get it right, yeah. perfectly, the choreography, I would cry. Every class, really? it would be a class where she'd look and she'd go, you crying? I'd be like, yeah, I'll be all right in a minute. It became this thing where it was like, Claire's crying again. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter. Like, they all held me through yeah. it, you yeah. know. And what eventually I started to see is, oh, you've got a negative pattern here, Claire, of perfectionism. Yeah. And you've got a negative pattern of being really hard on yourself. And what's with the body shame? And, what's... Yeah. and so, you know, these things started to unravel. And then I was able to take that into deeper work that I've done with others. EMDR therapy was life-changing, you know, um, literally working through looking at some of the trauma images in my mind and going into them, processing that rape in that trauma therapy. You know, she allowed me, my trauma therapist, to play out the fantasy of revenge towards the rapist. Like, things that we just don't allow ourselves to go into. Because we're like, no, no, I mustn't go there. It's negative. Yeah, yeah. Society's so pervaded with toxic positivity. Yeah, yeah. It's like, look on the bright side, brush yourself off, dust yourself off, get on with it. And actually, my experience is, no, you've got to go in it, go through it, and then come through the other side in order to really heal. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in helping women do. Do you know what I mean? Like, using that. And so it's kind of what I found is a lot of the way to do that is you need to get into your body. So dancing with Alana was the first step towards that. And then moving into like ecstatic dance, five rhythms, this kind of more embodied movement, this dancing, yoga, breathing, breath work, all of these things, anything that helps me not to try and transcend because I can leave myself so easily. Like my, I'll go in my head and off. Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually about staying in the physical self with my heart and just being in my body. Yeah. And then when I'm there, that's when I can really start to process stuff and start to feel my feelings. That, I think, is where most of the growth has come from yeah. lately. And it's quite beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's really nice. That makes me feel all yummy. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's yeah. so lovely. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 
I'm actually going to a Five Rhythms class on Saturday and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Have you ever tried it? No. Like, I've not either. I've done ecstatic dance classes, which are very similar, but yeah. this is more formalised in that my understanding is, like, if you think about the different beats and waves m musically, yeah. they take you on a spiritual journey through using music that has this beat, you know, or these like different rhythms yeah. to take you on a journey of kind of it's you're dancing with lots of other people yeah but it's not like hey let's yeah. dance together <laughs> it's you're dancing in your body with yourself so they'll say like feel your feet on the ground and like the music's on as well and yeah. then like okay like you know just allow your body to move like let your hands lead the way and it's like it's basically like a moving meditation yeah with music and just freedom like not Dancing like nobody's watching, yeah. that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And there's so much freedom to be had in that. So I am actually going with three friends, but we probably won't really be there with yeah. each other. Do you see yeah, what I mean? Yeah. At the time, I'm really quite excited to try it. Oh, wow. I can't wait to hear about Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Because for me, like that, if you think about um, motion, movement, and in the word emotion, yeah. they kind of go hand in hand, yeah? yeah? It's yeah. like, emotion is part of emotion. So it's like, what I find is it's almost like a catalyst for going through the emotions you need to. So there are some days where, and maybe I need to be reminded by my partner, or it should be like, what about if you have a bit of a dance? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like, there's something about movement that yeah. really allows us to move through things. Yeah. And it's it's very powerful tool. This um, psychologist that I've had on the podcast a few times, I love her, Joanna Fortune. She, when her, and she's got a little girl, and if they're feeling agitated or angry, she puts on music and they dance it out. Beautiful. And shake it all out of them. And Beautiful. I do that. And dancing makes me happy. Like, I dance around mm. quite a lot, actually. Mm. I've always got music on. And yeah. I'm always dancing. And I do think that helps me just keep... Yeah. Chirpy. Definitely. And there's something quite powerful as well about like mirror work. So like using dance in conjunction with a mirror. Um, in terms of like, you know, I've been riddled with body shame my whole life. Yeah. It's just part of the trauma and it's part of conditioning and whatever. But what I was taught to do by one of my coaches is actually to use the mirror. Or if you don't have a mirror, use your phone. Like, yeah. so flip your phone and set it onto video stick your music on and record yourself and it's like this strange cathartic experience of not performatively dancing like you're not doing like a choreograph like hey ho hey you know yeah. for anybody like but just allowing yourself to be moved by the music forget the cameras running or engage with yourself in the mirror yeah. and just look at and maybe even focus on the parts of you that you don't like me, it's my legs, right? Like I've got cellulite all, like I've got oh, cellulite yeah. all over yeah, my yeah, thighs, yeah. And I've always hated my legs. Yeah. So for me, I look in the mirror, or you know, I'll concentrate on trying to be loving to these yeah. thighs that carry me through the world and enable me to live this amazing yeah. life. And it's hard, but what I've found is watching it back has given me freedom. Yeah, seeing actually, because I think that oh, I can't look yeah. leaves us to fill in the gap. Yes. With yeah. nonsense. Yeah. And actually looking at what's really there is a really beautiful thing because you go, oh, yeah, it's a bit lumpy, but actually it's quite fucking good. I saw yeah. a bird over Vicky Park the other day. Mm. She was fit as fuck. She had these amazing shorts on, 
her legs were covered in cellulite, mm. worse than mine. And I was like, she looks amazing. Yeah. She looks amazing. Why the fuck do I hate my legs so much when yeah. it's, why do I care? Yeah. And it was really like, fucking hell, she, oh, it was a real, yeah. yeah. Like, and she I had freedom, clearly. Yeah. She didn't give she a shit. Banging. Yeah. And I was like, why do I care? I, I've, this is the first time I've ever worn shorts. Wow. I bought my first well pair done. of shorts maybe two, one, two years ago. Up until then, I'd never worn shorts because I didn't think I could because yeah. I hate my legs so much. Yeah. It's taken me all this time. No, I, I completely get it. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Big. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big thing to move through. That's amazing that you've done that for yourself. Thank you. So, what happened with your daughter's father? Because you yeah. were with him for mm. fifteen years. Yeah. He's really a wonderful human. Um, you know, it was a beautiful relationship. Um, but yeah, I think it just ran its course. Yeah. Um, you know, like our daughter's amazing. Um, so we separated, I think it's about three years ago now. Okay. Um, and we tried so hard yeah. for so long to make it work. Like in that 15 years, we probably had a couple of periods where we kind of separated and then, you know, we kind of got into a bit of a pattern of like, you know, yeah. separate and then get back together. Um, and we both wanted it to work so badly. I think me, a lot of me wanting it to work was because coming from a broken home yeah. and growing up without a dad and just feeling like I didn't want to produce the same situation for my daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously, even with us not being together, she's never gonna have that anyway. He's a really yeah. present father, like yeah. he's a good dad. Um, but yeah, like, that relationship was never, it was really beautiful for so long. I mean, we went through some challenges when I got clean. Yeah. It changed everything. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I bet you, you must have completely changed. I changed. Yeah. I definitely changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess in some ways for the better. Um, but yeah, I changed. Because of my sexual trauma stuff. Yeah. Um, I, well, it did change things because what I had started to do was in order to be intimate with him, I would use drugs. Yeah. So what happened for me when I got clean was I didn't have that prop yeah. anymore. And so I found it really hard to be intimate with him. Yeah. So I think that was quite a hard change in our relationship because I needed to do some work around the trauma. Yeah. Because what would happen for me is without drugs, I would just go instantly into memories of trauma. Yeah. Rape. Yeah. Abuse, whatever. So I, yeah, he had to be super patient with me. And I think actually that's hard. He's a really um, physical touch kind of person. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know about the love languages. No. Do you know about the five love languages? No. It's fascinating. So it's, um, yeah, there's a really wonderful, um, I'll send you a resource, but basically there's an online kind of quiz that you can do that's like, there are five love languages, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, um, acts of service, and the other one escapes me, it'll come back to me in a minute. But basically, these personality types will display themselves within you, 
and then that's how you will receive love and that's how you will show love so we both did our kind of our thing and his were physical touch and gifts yeah and mine were words of affirmation and acts of service yeah oh the other one's quality time okay so we were very different as beings. So like for him to feel loved, he needed physical touch. It's not anywhere on my radar. So actually I can do without it. Yeah. As long as you're telling me that I'm doing a good job and that you love me and you're helping me around the house. Yes. That was nowhere on his radar. So a lot of the time I think we misfired. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had to work hard at being in a relationship, if truth be told. But, you know, as I say, he... He, you know, he's a creative, yeah. like, he's really handsome, like, he's a beautiful, beautiful human, like, yeah. it worked really well for a really long time, um, but, yeah, it had its bad patches as well, so, yeah, it was a challenge when I got clean, but he was super supportive, like, I think I was starting to say this earlier, like, he really enabled me to go to meetings, yeah, yeah, there have been times when I've been a bit wobbly in my recovery, I remember once coming home and going, oh, you know, like, when you t kind of toy him with, like, could I talk him into let me have a relapse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, yeah, I really miss that fun, Claire, don't you? And he was like, no, I don't. You know, and he was, like, really straight with me about it. And I was like, damn. Um, so, you know, he's really, he's been super supportive over the years, actually, and put up with a lot of shit from me, yeah, you know, in yeah. my journey of growth and self-discovery. But I think when you're in recovery and you are committed to your growth in the way that I am, that is a lot yeah. for someone who's maybe not motivated in the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, I do remember having a conversation with him where he was like, but you're always searching for something. And I was like, yeah, that's the meaning of life, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I was like, but it's not the meaning of his life. She yeah. said, it just made me realise, oh, we're really different. Yeah. And some, well, I think, I guess when you say what happened, eventually the difference is it outnumbered yeah. the reasons yeah. to stay together. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, in the time that what we are is incredible co-parents. So my daughter's really lucky. She's got a really present father. You know, since we've separated, I think the, the, the relationship took a lot of energy from both of us trying yeah. to keep it going trying to make it work you know we did everything we could we threw everything at it therapy but you know in the end when we separated i think what it enabled us to do was it freed up a lot of his energy to focus on his relationship with his children yeah yeah i think it was a drain for him trying yeah. to make me happy yeah um so he's really stepped up you know like when i see him now being a dad i'm really proud of him i'm really oh. grateful for him yeah um and you know we've navigated through some stuff recently that ain't been easy yeah yeah um he's been nothing but supportive um yeah he's a good human i'm lucky to have him yeah, in our lovely. corner yeah. my daughter's lucky to have him as a dad yeah you know and he's he's got an older daughter as well from a previous relationship she's 24 now just yeah uh, just 25 I think actually she's incredible and you know I think he's kind of looked and can see I've made some mistakes there and actually what I see he's trying to do with our daughter now is not repeat them yeah be more present yeah you know listen more um yeah and just be more available to her and so my daughter goes there every other weekend yeah 
sometimes she really doesn't want to sometimes she wants to live there you know yeah, it's like yeah, one yeah. of those when you've got two homes uh but yeah it's it's healthy yeah it's a healthy dynamic um yeah and again it's like we're on a bit of a journey i guess of like when you've been in someone's life for that long 15 years yeah. it's like your best friend isn't it yeah, so yeah. we've been through like a I, I can only speak for me, but I've been through a grieving process, you know, yeah, like, because yeah. I think part of staying in that relationship with him was not wanting to lose my best friend. Yeah, and plus he was so helpful in your recovery, and, you know, he's a massive part of your life, isn't he? We've so shared so many like amazing odd. memories together. Yeah. We've produced this incredible child. Yeah. You know, I love his older daughter, like, she's my own, you yeah. know, she's beautiful. Yeah. But you've still got that, it's just in a different shape. It's all it? in a different, but it changes everything. When yeah. you separate, it's yeah, never going to yeah. be the same. And it's like, you know, he's moved on, I've moved on. Yeah. That brings a whole new dynamic. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, even that, like, my latest relationship, Yeah. he's been super supportive of that. I mean, yeah. that wasn't easy for him, I can imagine, of yeah. like, you know... When we were separating, he was like, oh, are you going to date women now then, you know? Had you spoken to him then about... Yeah, like, yeah. we knew that, like, well, I'd, I've never been ashamed of the fact that I was open-minded to dating women. Yeah. And I think, you know, I probably had said, oh, things don't work out with us, I'm going to date women, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. It's obviously come up over the years. And yeah. then I think when we were separating, he was like, oh, are you going to start dating women now then? And actually, you know, probably planted the seed, if anything, where I was like, oh, yeah, I could do, you know, it's like one of those. Um, but, yeah, and then obviously, and then what happened was I I had a friend um, who I just had a lovely friendship with and it grew into something more. Yeah. And actually she was renting a room from me. Um, <laughs> she was actually renting the spare room for me on a short-term basis. <laughs> And, um, yeah, like, we went into lockdown, like, we were just getting yeah. on so well, like, yeah. it was just like, you know when you're like, when someone's not around, you're like, God, oh, I really miss you when you're not around. But what I obviously didn't realise was I was falling in love with her, yeah. yeah. And actually, when I said to her, innocently, like, oh, when you're not around, like, you know that when, and you, you might know yeah. this, you know when you've got a friendship and it's building, like, especially when you're younger as well. Yeah. And, like, it's almost like falling in love, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I very innocently sort of said to her, yeah, it's like, you know, like, this friendship, I value it so much, and when you're not around, I miss you, and it's like, it's, I feel like it's almost like I'm falling in love with you. And she looked at me and was like, yeah, the feeling's mutual. And it was like this moment of, like, oh. Yeah. And then we both just stayed in denial for a bit longer. <laughs> well, how did it happen? <laughs> yeah, we kind of went out one night, and then... I think it was like it just went into flirty territory. Yeah. Because like, she's a massive advocate for me. Like, she big me up. Like, you're beautiful. You're this. You're that. As a friend, even. Yeah, yeah. Like, what uh, she enabled me to do was access parts of myself that were closed to me. You know, like, that feminine energy. Yeah. yeah? Like, yeah. It, when you're in a relationship with a man, you are two different species. Yeah. Yeah? When... And like a best friend, she was bringing out the best of me. She was my cheerleader, yeah? yeah? So it's like we'd gone out one night and, yeah, she just was like, you look hot. And I was like, felt hot. And then 
we'd kind of come home. <laughs> Actually, no, this is how it happened. Oh my God. So, I had decided I was going to date women. Yeah. And I downloaded an app. I think it's called She or something. And, you know, we were like, I was going through the app looking for someone to date or to connect with. And she was helping me, basically, because she's like a proper lesbian. Yeah. yeah like a professional one, right? <laughs> Not like a dabbler. Not part-timer. No. So she'd been, like, in female relationships for many, many years. And, like, so we're sort of swiping and she's going, oh, no, not her. I know her from the scene. Because, like, the gay scene's really... Yeah. Incestuous. Yeah, yeah like, everyone yeah. knows everyone in London anyway. No, not her. She's like, oh, she face-raped me once. Oh, she's a terrible kisser. Or, no, she's a psycho. You know, like, that kind of stuff. And then the other thing that was really funny was, like, all of the women in my sort of age category were called Claire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obviously a thing that Claire's go through in like their late 40s. Um, but also they were like, I don't know, I was looking and like no one was like ticking the boxes, yeah? yeah? yeah. And like, I remember I was like, this one night we'd gone out and then we'd come back and what we would do is we'd make a little pizza and then we'd have a, a swipe and we called it slice and a swipe. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, we're slicing and a swiping, looking for me for someone to date yeah and then yeah we were kind of swiping and and I, I was like I said the thing is I'm looking for you and I I'm looking for you in here you set the bar too high you know like, yeah. this was I was that open with yeah, her yeah. but still not really thinking that we weren't going to go there like yeah. we were friends so yeah like one night we kind of just ended up sort of falling asleep next to each other on the sofa and I kind of I think I woke up and we were kind of holding hands or something it was like one of those really sweet little yeah and it felt nice you know yeah. and then it was like okay I'm gonna go to bed now and do you want to cuddle yeah. you know and it was like we had a cuddle lasted for about 30 seconds and then it kind of <laughs> moved on to other things yeah um and actually you know it isn't really even about the stuff that sex yeah. you know what it is about for me is like I've just met this beautiful human being yeah. and I don't f feel like I've connected with anyone on this wavelength before yeah. and it's like next level intimacy yeah. you know like an honesty and was, that, was that the first time you'd ever been intimate with a woman? It was woman? the first time I'd ever slept with a woman yeah, yeah. like I'd had a few kisses like yeah. so but all of when I was using as well so when I was a you know yes. drunk or yeah. high yeah and actually I definitely would have pursued like there was one woman who I'd met at this club subterranea and um I'd gone back to meet her um at Hoxton Square I think it was at the base cliff or something and unfortunately my sister was with me that night and she'd been rehypnoled and we'd all had to leave and get her home yeah but that night I was basically going to get jiggy with this woman yeah that was the plan yeah um but that kind of put the scuppers on that. It women to be. And she went back to America. Uh, so, yeah, like... And then I was always in these long-term relationships with men, so yeah. I never really had the opportunity yeah, to explore yeah. that side of myself. And, as it transpires, what I found out once I got into a relationship with this woman was I had a lot of internalised homophobia. Really? Mm, mm, definitely. Because what it did was it caught, sort of brought up for me this mixture of like pure oh my god this is incredible and yeah. then this shame yeah. like 
oh my god like is this what i am now i'm changing people aren't going to accept me if i'm yeah, in a relationship yeah. with a woman i had a lot of shame around even like the recovery stuff like i'm not allowed to change teams yeah everyone knows me as claire who's straight yeah and also because i'd met this woman through the fellowship yeah. she was in recovery too it was like, I felt like people were going to think I'd picked her up there and I was predatory in some way. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. So there was a, it was a lot, it was loaded with a lot of kind of stuff. Yeah. And actually, yeah, like I just had to do the stuff that I'd learned to do when I came into recovery, which was to get honest about it. Yeah. Share it with people that I trusted. Take my time, not put so much pressure on myself yeah. to be perfect. And then what I did was within the, the uh, meetings, I went to LGBTQIA meetings. Yeah. And I just shared what was going on for me and I got held, you know, and I got supported yeah. in my coming out journey. Yeah. Actually. Um, and, yeah, I started to, like, own the fact that I felt ashamed or yeah. worried that I, what, 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 you know, because a lot of it was around my daughter. It was like, well, how's my daughter going to feel? Yeah. You know, in her words, at one point, it was like, oh, I can handle you being a witch, but not a lesbian. <laughs> but now you want to be a lesbian mum. <laughs> so it was like, you know, things like that. And I think, actually, the was truth she is... shocked? Or had you discussed it with her? So this was the thing that I... On, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> because I think what I could have done differently is actually be honest with her about my past. Yeah. And my open-mindedness. Yeah. And the fact that before her dad, I had been open to being in a relationship with females. She didn't know that about me. Yeah. Her perception of me that I was just this woman who dated men and I was with her dad. Yeah. And actually, I think I did her a disservice because I think she probably was, you know, what, she's almost 15. So, you know, 12, I think you can have that conversation. Yeah. I, you know, I, I probably infantilised her a bit and didn't do that. And then she really liked my partner yeah. you know she was comfortable with my partner living with us short term i think actually she'd been quite hopeful that she wouldn't stay long term and that it would be just me and her for a while yeah and that's understandable too because she's always had to share me yeah with everyone else you yeah. know and in the midst of that breaking up getting back together with her dad that was all kind of quite yeah. hard for her but yeah when i told her she wasn't happy about it at all yeah she was quite shocked yeah. and I think not surprised and was like, I knew it, you know, um, <laughs> she got quite upset with me. Yeah. And said that she could understand why I'm with, I'd want to be with her because, yeah. you know, and this is what's amazing about my daughter. She, she said, I can understand why you'd want to be with her. She has a lot of the qualities that I would seek in a relationship from, with somebody. Oh. But I just don't want to live here with us yeah um and actually that was a really tough one yeah because actually it was in the middle of lockdown for a start <laughs> um and i you know we talked about okay so do we then you know do you go and look for somewhere else to live yeah you know yeah. um the last thing my partner wanted was to be someone who made the child feel uncomfortable yeah. in their home yeah but also, if I'm honest, there was a part of me that knew that I didn't want her to go. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't want to be separated from this person I'd fallen in love with. Yeah. And actually, 
you know, with my daughter going through this, like, teenage stage, there is a danger in me allowing her to have too much power over my life yes. choices. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had to really kind of work through some stuff around... Yeah. Oh my god, am I going to grow up for the rest of her life by keeping in this? Yeah. And I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah. But the bottom line is, it's about, again, it's about, okay, but what do I need? Yeah. Because actually, I think as mothers, we lose ourselves. Yes. And I had put my needs second, yeah. in, a, in a sense, to hers for a long time. But it, irony being, obviously I hadn't, I was an addict, I'd sort of been, you know, using drugs. So I kind of hadn't, yeah. I kind of had compromised yeah. myself. It was all very skew-whiff. I think the enabling thing, like when we put our, when we don't put ourselves up front and centre, we compromise ourselves, yeah. all it does is build resentment. If I was asking my partner to leave, I was never going to be happy about that. It was going to cause a problem elsewhere. And actually, you know, at the beginning as well, just to go back to my ex, I remember telling him about it before I told my daughter. He was so supportive. He was like, I knew it. He'd <laughs> said to me, when we were friends, myself and this woman, he'd said to me, do you fancy her? I think he'd just seen like yeah. the, the, he must have seen the spark or the connection. And I was like, no, I'm just like supporting her. She's someone I've met through recovery, like, yeah. And then, you know, it was, I'm pretty sure they're all convinced that when she moved in, we were already together. That wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter what they think, because I, yeah. we know, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was nothing but supportive, actually. He that's was lovely nice. about it. Yeah. And then he went through the stage of like, oh, it's, you know, that's yeah. why it didn't work out with yeah, us, yeah, because yeah, you're yeah, a lesbian. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, you don't, yeah. no, that's not true. Yeah. You know, I really tried. Um... And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I will go, oh, I'm a lesbian now. You know, but actually, I don't know what I am. I don't think yeah. it matters. Like, what's with the label? It's like... I just... Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I am. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. now, this minute, I can't imagine really ever wanting to be with another Willie. Yeah. Um, but who knows what the future holds. Yeah. Like, I've learned to just stay open-minded now. Yeah. And what, what I have found, like, this... Because of the trauma and stuff as well, like being with a female, with a woman, it is like, I haven't had to, when I'm intimate with her, and I don't mean like having sex even, I mean just being intimate. Yeah. I don't have to progress through any form of trauma. Like, there's no like, oh, I'm with a man, and when I'm with men, this stuff happens to me. Yeah. That just doesn't come into it. Yeah. So there's a freedom in it. Yeah. Yeah, like it's easier. There's ease within it. So I find it enriching in yeah. that sense. Do you know what I mean? And it works for me physically. It's kind of there's something going on. And what I found was the more comfortable I got with it from those early stages, it was like the more and more I started sitting in my own body. Yeah. Like it was like I literally came home to myself. Um, and actually, my friends, people that know me well, are like, totally suits you. Like, you can see the change in me physically. 
mentally. It's been like another piece of the jigsaw has gone yeah. in place. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, it was just an unexplored, uncharted territory that was always a part of myself. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. One of my best friends, she kind of, when I told her, she was like, of course you are. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you be? And she was like, there's no shame in this, Claire. She was like, this is just you exploring another uncharted yeah. part of yourself. Like, good for you. Yeah. You know, this is what we love about you. And like, you know, like having those words said to you makes you realise, okay, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Um. And, you know, she's so open-minded as well, my partner. Like, yeah. so, she, yeah, like she's, ah, oh, this is so cute, actually. I'll tell you about this. So when we had separated, um, there was a period of separation between my partner and I, and actually the irony is we'd got back together again after that. But in that time, I'd written a list of all the qualities that I wanted in a partner. And, you know, I'd written like um, strong, athletic, uh, intellectually stimulating, um, dark, um, nice bum, nice legs, you know, like um, outdoorsy, yeah. likes to get up in the morning, um, you know, all these lovely qualities. Yeah. And when I met my partner, or when the relationship started with my partner, I found this note tucked away. Um, and I opened it up and I was like, oh, wow. And she's literally everything on the list, yeah. you know. And like the dark, the irony is the dark is like her dark side. Like she's got this kind of alternative kind of spirit about her. Like, you know, you've got tattoos, yeah. Like she's got like full sleeve tattoos on her arms. Like she's got piercings. She's like really different to me. Like she's yeah. really beautiful, but she's a very different, like I'm so girly. Like she just is like, you're so girly, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah, she's just, like, real minimal, like, she's a yeah. bit of a rock chick, do you know what I mean? I never would have, on paper, gone, this is who I'm going to end up yeah. falling madly in love with and in a relationship with. But she ticks all my boxes. And, like, we just, you know, like, we can get up in the morning and, like, make a cup of tea or coffee and just, we just, it just works, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, we just love being in each other's company, like, she's there for me, I'm there for her, it just works. And it's really interdependent. It's quite healthy. Yeah. So a lot of my previous relationships have been quite codependent. It's not. We're really respectful of each other's boundaries, need for space. You know, it's like, it's really the fucking healthiest dynamic I've ever experienced. And I'm so here for it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Yeah. I'm so happy that you found that. Yeah, I'm happy I found it too. Because, you know, at one point in the relationship previously and not wanting to have sex and things like that it's like I literally was like okay with it I was like I'm dead from the neck down do you know what I mean yeah. and like that's all right I had no sex drive no yeah. libido like menopause was on me like yeah. I'm on HRT that was a game changer yeah. like going on HRT like yeah literally changed my life I want that I think after my brain fog is so bad but I'm still getting my period so the doctor's like no you're not in well, that's nonsense. Like, I was still getting my periods. Yeah. I'll send you some resources because that's a myth, basically. Yeah. Um, what turned up for me, what was starting to happen for me is my period was becoming quite erratic. Yeah. Um, so I was always like, time your watch by your periods kind of yeah. woman. 
um, 28 days or whatever. And then what started to happen was like, they'd go 40 days and then 20 days and then 60 days and then yeah, 30 yeah. days. And it was like, oh, because I keep it all in an app, I yeah. could see this like weird pattern. And then I started to feel really depressed. Yeah. Like I couldn't stop crying in bed at night. I had hot feet. Yeah. <laughs> like my feet were so hot, I would sometimes put them in the freezer. Yeah. Or I'd get like peas and, you know, or put them in cold yeah, water. I was yeah. like so, it was excruciating. And then yeah. waking up at night, you know, like that pre-period sweat you get. Yeah. But I'd get that and I hot sweats in the night. So I wasn't yeah. getting hot flushes in the day, brain fog and depression. Yeah. And I remember I went to the doctor and I said, something's not right. I don't feel good. I feel like I've got constant PMT. Yeah. And he said, one of them, this young guy, silly idiot man, said, oh, you're still getting your period, so it can't be menopause. Yeah. Um, but you, uh, do you want some antidepressants? And I was like, no, yeah. I definitely don't want antidepressants. Yeah. No offense to anybody that wants to take them, but I knew that wasn't what I yeah. needed. Yeah. Um, and I said, it feels like PMT. This ain't going on with my hormones. Yeah. And anyway, so my ex again, God bless him, was like, nah, you need to, like, after three weeks of watching me weep yeah. morning, every morning at the dining table, was like, you need to go back to the doctor, yeah. see a different doctor. And I actually found this resource on Facebook called the, Menop uh, the Menopause Support Network. Yeah. It's run by a woman called Diane Danzibrink. She's a big sort of speaker on menopause. Yeah. And there's a lot of really amazing resources on there for women in menopause. I'll send you a link on there Thank later. Um, and they've got all the NICE guidelines and things like that, that. And also like a menopause symptom checker and things yeah. that you can like print off and go equip to your doctor. Yeah. Ready for the conversation. And actually what I asked for was a referral to a gynecologist. Yeah. Um, and I got one and I got sent to like the Holly. Um, yeah. And I saw this amazing gynae. And she was like, oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. You're perimenopausal. Yeah. Like, you need, uh, you definitely need estrogen and progesterone yeah. because you'll end up with osteoporosis. Yeah. You're too young. Like, you don't yeah, want to be, yeah. like, living with this. Yeah. Um, and she put me on the patches. Yeah. And overnight, I was restored to sanity. Yeah. And I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. And if I ever need reminding of do I need to be on it, I can forget to put a patch on occasionally and go mad literally like within a couple of days i'm like oh my life i hate it. i can't do this and then i'll put the patch on and i'm like oh i'm okay again yeah. you know so it's like yeah yeah it's well worth it so get equipped like, yeah, if you're I am. like you know she's sending me for i've got a lot going on at the moment i've got gynae issues so there's a lot going on and mm. i don't know if the brain fog might be a result of that it might not be menopause but i just thought it's worth finding out because yeah. if there's something i can take to stop it i want to take it yeah but um you have to have your you have to have your blood test done within certain days of your period don't you so again this is another thing that's fascinating because i mean in order for you to ascertain from your bloods if you're menopausal it's almost impossible they'd okay. have to do a test every day yeah yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. a month so how do they find out then well they just listen to your they symptoms listen to you, yeah and this is the thing it's like <laughs> what an idea actually fucking listening listen to a woman who knows her own body yeah. who's lived in that body for 40 plus years oh, and say yeah. oh you might actually know what you're talking about yeah. because you know your body because yeah. you're a woman so the, the the biggest thing that i would suggest is if you can if you have the ability and drive to yes. ask for it yeah. get a referral to a gynae yeah well i'm I, i'm under gynae's anyway because all the other shit that's going on but i might see if they'll 
You don't need to live with it. It no, doesn't, like, no. it's so easily resolved. Yeah. And, well, yeah, I'll take the drugs. Because it is, it's impending. I mean, that's the other thing, Amy. Like, I'm all about eating organic, natural, yeah. obviously, being clean living and whatever. I had this weird sort of thing in my head that it's better not to be on HRT. I'm going to deal with it with St. John's wort yes. yeah, or fucking yeah. some kind of mushroom or whatever. Yeah. But actually... <laughs> No, yeah. like there are different types of HRT as well. So there's a spectrum of HRT. So yeah. for personal choices, I didn't want to take um, what's the the ma marina or whatever it's called. I didn't want the one that's derived from pregnant horse urine. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah? I wanted something that was bio identical. So yeah. I did my research, and the one that I'm on is derived from yams or nice. something. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Don't mind me a yam. So that's kind of, I, that's what I was specific. I said, this is what I want. Yes. And they questioned me yeah. why. And they tried to give me the coil. And I said, I don't want a coil. I don't want an yeah. alien body in my yeah, uterus. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is what I want. Yeah. And I think if you go equipped, and that's why it's worth downloading the sheets, yeah. reading up, being in the group, getting support. Because if you go equipped with, I want this, yeah. and you're informed, well, how can they argue yeah. with that? A woman yeah. who knows what she wants. Yeah. Because when when we go equipped like that yeah. fucking they can't argue with yeah. us can they <laughs> so i think it's a yeah for me it was like and again thank thanks to him he empowered me to go you know my ex yeah. was like you need to go back claire don't put up with this yeah tell them what you need you get back there girl yeah. and i was like okay <laughs> and i did it and it worked yeah but i think also key that i had a, a sympathetic different doctor the second time around who was more open-minded yes yeah. And he's a good listener. Yeah. And he referred me to a female gynecologist. Yes. yes. So that made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank yeah. you so much for coming oh. to talk to me. I've loved that. Oh, I really you. have. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, my love. Hi. Yes, so that was the amazing Claire. If you'd like to get in touch and discuss any of the things that we talked about, then please do. I know that Claire's more ha more than happy to talk to you. Um, if you enjoyed this conversation, then I also had um, my best friend Nicole on, um, talking about her recovery from addiction. So make sure you check out that episode. I've got loads of amazing chats with people. I'm so grateful I get to do this, so have a listen. If you have any guest suggestions as well, get in touch. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please share the podcast. Stay safe. Stay sane. Big love to you. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.